Thank you for listening to Comic Issues, your favorite geeky podcast full of rants, ramblings, and ravings. I'm your host, Anthony Simple. Along with me is my co-host and one of the greatest geeks in the world, Elizabeth Bloss. Uh, and hey, everybody. Uh, I might be dying of the plague. <laughs> well, I hope not. That would suck. I'd have to find a new co-host. That'd be inconvenient. I know. It, yeah. it, would, be, it would be rough. No. Uh, once a year, I get really sick. Oh, and, fun. And it happens to be now. Uh, but uh, that won't stop us. Uh, the audio qualities might sound different. Uh, it's because I am, um, uh, what do they call it when they keep you away? Quarantined. From, quarant- You're quarantined. I'm quarantined uh, <laughs> and sparing poor Elizabeth this horrible, horrible plague. For which I do appreciate. There's yeah. enough sickos running around work at this point. So, yeah. So, we be Skyping it. Yeah, we're Skyping it in. Uh, I think I know. I've had a lot of time to think about it. And I think I know who got me sick. Oh, really? So, yeah, when I get back to work, uh, I owe him a square punch in the nose. <laughs> Either that or come in before you're quite better and just lick his keyboard when he's not looking. So, oh, that'll be yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, in lieu of that... Uh, and kind of no real huge uh, news. No, no. Um, Except the internet did lose their mind over The Walking Dead, but we're not going to spoil that for you because you haven't seen it yet, have you? I, I have. I'm, I'm still in the last season. Okay. Which right. is You're, you'll want to sort of uh, uh, stay clear of social media of all sorts until you're all caught up because yeah, there's spoilers all over the place. Yeah, I'm going to have to just stay off of Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to unfriend some people for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hell, I, sh- I saw a tag show up on Instagram in my feed that would have spoiled it for anybody who saw me right there on the homepage. I'm like, it is everywhere at this point. Now i got to stay off of Instagram. <laughs> I probably can't even go to LinkedIn right now. It's probably You know everywhere. what? That's the next thing. That is the next thing. Yeah. Do you, do you get uh, weird LinkedIn requests from people? Oh, yeah. I got a guy who was using it as a dating site at one point. I got this weird LinkedIn, and it was a company that I thought, oh, yeah, that sounds good. And then he like sent like a date request, and I was like, no. <laughs> that's what, I, don't, I don't think so, no. Thanks. That's not what that's for. I know, I know. And you know what? The, the worst part is he didn't have a picture on his account, and I was like, oh, if mm. I saw what you look like, I might have considered it, but no. It's Creepers. Okay. I know, right? Uh, so yeah, so uh, we're going to get right to uh, just uh, a good, healthy dose of books, uh, and uh, that's going to be the podcast, because after this, <laughs> I need to go immediately back to laying down. Yes. Uh, so to begin uh, to begin our, our list of books, Siege number uh, five? Yep. yep. Five. Um, this is a book that has always been very solid. Um, yeah. But... So much different than I feel uh, a lot of the other books. I think the the art definitely makes up for a lot of that, having a unique look to it. Um, yeah, that's uh, Felipe Andrade. Yeah, the art on that one. Yep, yep. Which, love his stuff. Which at first, um, I'm like, okay, this is just a different style, uh, and it didn't it didn't turn me off, but it didn't get me real hot and bothered either. But something about now, the the the, the closure on this book, I feel, I think right up there with the, with the best Secret Wars books as far as endings to me. I have to admit, the way they wrapped it up, especially after all the the wall will fall and there is no hope and everything, and the way they wrapped it up, they they absolutely told us the truth, but surprisingly not in a way that you would expect. It didn't happen nearly the way that I was picturing it was going to be this terrible, depressing, awful disaster. And it certainly isn't fun, but it's it's kind of hopeful, actually. It is, and I, I think that's because... 
through the course of the book. I think at the beginning we're so worried about, oh no, the wall falls and all of these nameless innocents on the other side of the wall are the ones we're concerned about. But the story just builds on these characters. And kind of to think back about it, the 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 terror on the other side of the wall has been so kind of um, glossed over with not a whole lot of detail except for a couple moments that it makes sense here at the end we're only focused and we're only caring about the characters. Which they did such a good job with that. I mean, their whole little conversation where they're sitting on the wall eating pizza, I mean, it was just really sweet. I liked that a lot. I really did. Leonardo da Vinci just reveling in the simplicity uh, and magnificent uh, the awesomeness of pizza <laughs> seriously he's talking about all the amazing things he's seen and done and all the creations that he's made he said that they all pale in comparison to pizza i'm like oh that's yeah. awesome that's cool and it seems weird that this book through through these five issues kind of has more heart than this story kind of would lead you to think it ever could and heart and just like a little tongue-in-cheek comedy, I mean, there's uh, it's either Michelangelo or Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, uh, da Vinci. I was going to say Leonardo DiCaprio. That would be a different book. Um, the two of them are fighting the monsters on the wall, and one of them is shooting an enlightenment gun, and oh, I think he shoots, so it at, he shoots it at the zombies, and they're like, I'm a logical fallacy, and they all just, let's just not exist anymore, and they stop existing. And I'm that, like, yeah. that is cool. That was neat. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Um, but no, like we, we talked about, I think it was in, uh, three when the two robots, um, they're there and the one goes out and dies and the other one essentially loses its, its, uh, willingness to live because its partners is gone and and goes into that suicide run. And we're all like, wow, uh, within one book, we, we met these characters. We really cared for them. They're robots, so they shouldn't even have feelings, but we're here, Lamenting the, right. fa- the, the fact of that that they sacrificed themselves for love. And then the same thing basically happened to Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a connection between the two of them, and one of them died, and the other. It's it was. I'm like we met them pages beforehand. I don't believe the two of those guys were mentioned in any of the previous books, not this incarnation of them. And we just got to care about them so yeah. fast and then they're gone. And you're like, oh, right in the feels. Ow. It's it's amazing. And especially I think it was a real great, there's a real great conversation where uh, Thanos, who had popped up in the last book, uh, essentially says, put me in your jail. Yeah. Um, yep. Because he he knows more than anyone else. He's in there, he's talking to Ben Grimm, who is the wall, mm-hmm. and he's explaining, hey, all of this is not the way it should be. Like, there's a better world out there. Yeah. You know, you and I are enemies in that world, but, um, you know, but this doom nonsense is, is bull. Yep. He's trying to get through to, to him, and it's a real great kind of dialogue from Thanos, who is never not evil, no. but seems to have this weird um I don't know like a line of humanity or a little, I thought it was a little bit of the enemy of the enemy is my friend yeah. kind of thing so I thought now is this the Thanos he was on one of those lifeboats wasn't yeah. he and got scattered away so he he knows everything that's going on he has the outside view and he knows that the only way to bring doom down is to get people on his side and who does he get but the the thing that's creating the wall, basically. Yeah. I mean, at, 
that he at one point you see Ben striding away and he's oh, huge. Man. Now this Ben Grimm that we know has never had that ability, right? No, that's, no, that's okay. that's not Ben Grimm abilities ever. No, no. But it was awesome. It was very cool. So did Doom give him that ability just to put him on the wall? I think so, yeah. Uh, he essentially made Ben a part of the wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he also made Ben think like it was his idea, and that's one of the things that Thanos was pointing out to yeah. him. He's like, you know, you chose to come here and get beaten at every day. How much must he hate you to have done that to you? And that's when Ben really starts to twig to what's going on. It's yeah. very, it was dark, but there was always just a little bit of humor in there. There really was. And there's, there's this great part from Thanos saying that there's a woman that he loves, and he, like, she's in another world, he'll never see her again, but at the moment of his death, yeah. he'll have a glimpse of her, but yeah. in this world, he'll only see doom at the moment of his death, and he cannot yep. have that. Again, there's so much love in this book. It, <laughs> it's really, yeah, it, it's, it ended up being the book when I first saw it, I like Felipe Andre's art, so I was in it just from the second for mm-hmm. that art. But I, I just didn't think the story was going to grab me, and it really snuck up on me a yeah. lot. You know, it was it was good that way, but Kyrie, a good wrap up to this whole book. Yeah, Kyrie and Gillen really just surprised the shit out of me with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah. Well, that one's uh, it puts it solidly in my top five books. I mean, we've yeah. got A Force. Uh, 1602 Angela, Marvel Zombies, and Siege. And then whatever fills up the fifth one, I haven't figured out yet. Uh, And what a really great kind of perfect ending to the book. Yeah, yeah, it was. It really was. Because Ben, he took off. And so the wall was down. But now, now, was it that everybody was going to follow after him and join in this fight of doom? Is that what everybody was going to go off to do? Because it looks like they were all, like, sort of piercing through the veil in a couple places. So were they just going to follow along? Well, I don't think so. Like, uh, he goes off and there's this long exposition from uh, uh, Abigail's, Abigail's um, journal explaining, like, there's a, some kind of roar that was unintelligible. Like, it was at scales uh, not meant for humans to understand. Uh, but apparently somebody figures it out. And it's just as it's clobbering time. Because Thanos leads him into that, which is really great. Yeah. Um, Miss America and... Um, I don't know the, group, the chicken green. I can't think. <laughs> and I don't have the book in front of me because Skype. But yeah, um, yeah. No, uh, but like they, they like kick through like a portal or something. But it, it just leaves uh, one of the Scott Summers and uh, Abigail just there in the face of just hordes of unimaginable horror in yeah. front of them. Yeah. And it's just they just hold each other's hand. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like the end of Angel a little bit. It's just like you know. Probably not good things are going to happen, but the last time we see them, they're okay. So you know, sort of yeah, yeah. I guess they just kind of find their their peace before yeah. terrible, terrible death. Yeah, or or maybe they live. I'll be hopeful. Maybe, maybe they somehow yeah. live. Maybe it happens. So, you never know. We didn't see them die. We don't true. have a body. So no body. Nope, 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 nope. Uh, so that's that was a great book. And if if yeah. anyone has missed out on that one. Uh, guaranteed, these are going to come out in trades or collections. Uh, yeah, highly recommend. Are they probably going to do each series as its own book, like a book for Siege, a book for Marvel Zombies, or is that not enough books to put in a trade? Um, I'd imagine possible. Uh, four is a little light uh, yeah. for a trade, but five is, you know, not crazy. Usually they're about six issues, gotcha. but, you know, like, I don't know, like, how would you collect these otherwise? They don't yeah. really, 
they, they're they're all the same world, but they don't necessarily mesh. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's so, true. or they could do just a double sized trade and put a couple in there. Ah, maybe or just ten dollar. Yeah, I'll probably buy some of them. I really will. I've, yeah. I've liked them enough to do that. They're super cool. Uh, so the next book, Iron Man number two, uh, Invincible Iron Man number two. Uh, the last issue, we both were really impressed. Uh, Iron Man, not a character uh, we've done. I feel uh, we've really gotten into. We had kind of a kick with Superior Iron Man, but we always knew there was a time limit on that. Yeah. Now we've got Brian Michael Bendis uh, in there with a very kind of a, a Robert Downey Jr. style of um, dialogue. Mm-hmm. But it's Bendis. It's Bendis. So the uh, yeah, the dialogue's always going to be clever. It's witty. It's definitely yeah. witty and. Um, and another now, word it, I can't think of. Oh, it's clever. Was it? Uh, was it Molina on the art on this one? No, it's uh, Marquez. Marquez, Marquez, great job on the art as yeah. usual. They did a, and we get to see Doom in like his natural face, but they haven't explained exactly how that happens. He just, you know, Iron Man's like, I thought you were so scarred, you were too hideous for normal people to look at you, and he's like, I was, I got better, and that's yeah. that's all he's saying. He's not saying anything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I have a question for you. As I was reading this, yeah. I'm looking at all uh, the the pictures of Doom, and I can't help but feel that uh, the inspiration for the look of Doom was very Sherlockian. A little. He may have a little bit of uh, some Cumberbatch cheekbones going no. on, a smidge. But I didn't. Not not full. Yeah, it's it's not, not full Cumberbatch. Yeah. I wouldn't call it like a Greg Land photorealism kind yeah. of a pull, but I yeah. feel there's a lot of times I could I could see a little Cumberbatch in him. Well, you know, he was going to have to draw somebody who was like too pretty for his own good, and if you're going to be pulling from anybody, Cumberbatch <laughs> is a good bet. So that's a good. It's either that or get some Hiddleston in there. So maybe it's a combination. Maybe he was like, let's get some Hiddleston, let's yeah. get some Cumberbatch, some Hemsworth, some Evans. We'll just do an amalgam it, of all of them. Put it into a pretty pot and uh, yeah, just watch you. Doom fall out. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, so there's this long conversation where Doom is earnestly trying to uh, help Tony and explain this whole uh, theft thing that's been going on. We saw Madame Mask in the first issue stealing a bunch of random stuff. Yeah. And Tony, very rightfully so, uh, does not believe him because he's no. Doom. Yeah, but Tony goes from either not believing it at all, like, sure, right, yeah, fine, pull the other one, I don't believe any of this, to kind of believing it, and it freaks him the hell out, because he's like, Doom doesn't have his armor, and he's trying to be nice, is he trying to do good? My world is falling apart. He cannot comprehend of a world where Doom might be doing something good just for the sake of being a good person. That doesn't make any sense to him at all. It is bonkers, but then, like, usually as a reader... Um, often you can kind of see through the dialogue and you always kind of know when a bad guy is still being bad, but Bendis is at least writing Doom that he is honest about uh, the the fact that he's trying uh, he's trying to make some good come out of this situation. Now, if he's being altruistic or not, we'll find out, but he's definitely being honest here with with this specific information. 
True, true, and that could be for totally self-serving purposes. I mean, basically, you've got um, what's her name in the mask, Madam Mask. Madam Mask. I knew it was one of those. Um, Madam Mask is going around stealing things, and she's crazy, and yeah. Doom knows that she shouldn't have them. She thinks she got this wand from him, but it was actually a dummy that he had planted just for that purpose, in case someone wanted to steal it. Um, and he gives the real one to Tony, but he mm-hmm. says it's the real one. I don't know if it is or not, but um, he could be just, you know trying to make sure that this crazy woman doesn't have access to these objects that fell out of rifts in time because the Earth is sitting on a planetary nexus of sorts. And Tony's just like, you know, Doom is like, would it surprise you to know that the Earth is sitting on a nexus of different realities? And Tony's like, I'd be a little surprised. He's like, don't be coy. You know, he's yeah. like, I have no patience for you. But I don't know. I, I don't buy that he's doing it just to be a good guy. It'd be, it'd be awesome. But nah, I think he's got... Um, another purpose in mind. Well, you have to assume because he's doomed, but what I also find weird is what we've been told uh, as far as in regards to the the Secret Wars is that this is all continuing continuity um, and the Secret Wars is still a thing that happened. Right. So I'm, I'm curious why Tony doesn't have a confusion as to why Doom... I feel like there's there should have been a reference back to Secret Wars. Right. Well, you know, uh, I don't know what everybody's experiences were in Secret Wars, so yeah. we don't we don't know exactly. Like, uh, is is this is our Tony that we remember from pre Secret Wars, right? Or is it a Tony from another area of Secret Wars? We don't know how Secret Wars falls out yet. True, so how true. it all came back. So yeah, all he knows is that Doom's castle is no more, the country's in complete disarray, there's revolutionaries that are causing problems, and now Doom wants to help, and it's all confusing, but um, it was fun to read, though. All the dialogue was great, all the conversations between Tony and Friday are awesome. He's like, I can't believe I didn't build you with an off switch. Yeah. You know, that was done on purpose, too. He's like, I've got to be smart enough to know that if I could turn her off, I would, and then that defeats the purpose of having someone tell me something for my own good. Absolutely. Um, I think yeah, I think the dialogue uh, with uh, his gal Friday there definitely helps a lot to keep Tony from just talking too much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and gives him something to bounce off of. I do like um, the suit at one point transforms itself into like a Hulkbuster suit. Yeah, that was awesome to watch. That was very neat. That was very talked about like, how he like he had like goals in mind and the way Bendis writes the goals I and mean, he was going to do this and he was going to create a self-transforming suit to show up that dude on the internet you know it's just <laughs> completely Tony being Tony he builds this amazing crazy suit just because somebody thought he was cleverer than Tony and Tony couldn't have that yeah and even in the second half of the book where Tony meets up with uh, Madame Mask to find her he's there looking very normal no suit and He's trying to have this dialogue with her to find out what she's up to until she finally makes a strike for him. And the suit is cloaked, but yes. just the suit. And so yeah. he looks normal underneath. Yes. like She ends up breaking several fingers in her hand just going for his throat. I thought, yeah. Ugh. She's yeah. going for like a throat strike or something. She is pretty. Like, she killed a couple people, like... A woman, it's a Hydra agent, comes in, and she's got a gigolo with her, and, and Madame Mass shoots the gigolo just because he was just annoying her, so. Yeah, she gives no fucks. So, yeah, I mean, this this book continues to, to really entertain. The The art by Marquez is is still really impressive. Um, there's one little fun joke uh, in the crowd when uh, Tony gets transported to the Bronx Zoo, 
And there's an onlooker that says uh, he doesn't like the new suit. It doesn't have a nose. (laughs) So that's what you notice in the scene. What I noticed is one guy was just like, dude, if he's here and he's having some super guy battle, we need to get the heck out of here now. And I'm like, there are smart people in comic books. They're like, wherever the superheroes are, you probably don't want to be there because it's going to be pretty destructive. Good good on uh, old Bendy there. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm still in for the series, you know. Certainly if if Bendis and uh, Marquez are... Marquez? Marquez, yes. yeah. Marquez. If Ben is the Marquez, they're still doing it. I'm still in on it. Yeah. Uh, I'm two issues in, and I like how the, the rhythm is. And yeah. I, I could read this for a while. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, so back into the Secret Wars, Age of Apocalypse number five uh, came out to bring that whole rigmarole to a close. Yeah. Um, and I think I liked it better... What was the one that we were reading with Chrissy and Magneto? Days of Future Past? Or Years of Future Past. Right. I liked this book, Age of Apocalypse, better than Years of Future Past. But I still, it never quite grabbed me. I don't know. It was very complicated. Um, I liked the art. You know, of course, that was at Sandoval, right? Uh, No, actually. um, Oh, we were wrong on that. We are wrong. Well, let me me open it. Uh, No, yeah, we always thought it was Sandoval, but it's... um, Ivan um, Koyo, uh, okay, C-O-E-L-L-O. Koyo um, channeling Joe Mad, of course. So yeah. I liked the art. I definitely liked it. It was the ending to this book that I didn't really like. The very, very end of it. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's jump right to it. Because it really, it's just a big fight for the most part. Yeah, it is. And there, if you've got, like, uh, the white queen is going to self-lobotomize herself in order to take the part of her brain that controls her abilities and put it into Jean's brain, which I'm like, well, that's complicated. (laughs) That can only happen in 90s comic books. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. But, uh, yeah, I guess it works, and Jean takes out all the bad guys, and then she also did something because she had, like, limitless power for a second, and somehow she was able to use up all of the Phoenix Force all at once, so it'll never be a problem ever again because she burned it all up in that one strike. And I'm like, well, that's convenient. Yeah. The second thing she did was she took away everyone's mutant ability, absolutely everyone's ability. Yeah. And that's how we had a happy ending. They even say at one point, they're like, and now everybody's the same, so it'll all be great and wonderful. I'm like, what? Is that's Wait a minute. You know, I just, I couldn't help, and I'm just going to digress just for a second. So, Go for it. Yeah, my sister and I in high school had a creative writing uh, assignment at one point where we had to imagine a future world where robots had had to raise this population of test tube babies and how would we program them and what would it look like if we went and visited 10,000 years from now. And Kath and I were talking to our mom and dad about the assignment and we had similar ideas in that, you know, all the races would be all melded together. You know, you wouldn't have distinctions in race anymore because everybody would have been interbred with everyone else, and so everyone was the same, and that would be peace. Mm -hmm. And our dad really didn't like the idea because he said, you know, in the late 50s and early 60s, that's what they were telling African Americans. They were saying, hey, we can all get along. You've just got to act like us. Here's how you act like us. Here's how you dress like us. Here's how you talk like us. And Dad said the African-American's response was, to hell with that honky, black is beautiful. And that's where you got the giant afros and the clothes and everything because 
we shouldn't have to all be the same in order to get along. And the fact that the book ended with, there'll be no more strife because we're all the same. I'm like, why, why can't we just get along and be different at the same time? So anyway, <laughs> I was sorry, sorry, rant over. Except That's for the fact that this has a lot to do with the gender thing, too. We don't need to get rid of the differences in the sexes in order to get along. We should embrace those differences because they're fun. Yeah, anyway. and, yeah, and that, especially in the 90s, that's what the X-Men were about. It was about uh, equality, not, you know, um, conformity. Exactly. Very much so. Very much so, so. So I thought it was a little too easy of an ending, I thought, maybe. So. No, and, and, and I, I agree, because once everyone's the same, there are no... There is no mutant gene. There is no X Men. Uh, like you, kind of lose the metaphor that uh, the the X Men really embodied for a long time. Not in the last, maybe maybe even fifteen years. Yeah, yeah ten years. Yeah. Um, so it is this weird kind of anti X Men uh, message that yeah. in this this super bleak uh, world where. Although the mutants were the um, uh, the dominant species, right? That uh, they they lose what makes them special. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's it's such a hopeful message at the end that it actually disturbed me a little bit. I'm like, you know, it's in a way a little bit. Civil War did a little bit of the same thing. You know, Steve and Tony set off the the what is it the bell curve bomb yeah. and wiped out so many abilities and. Jennifer was wondering, did he do that on purpose so that we'd all get along? And I'm like, well, maybe that's kind of a shortcut to getting along. We should probably be able to get along anyway. Anyway, but that's, I, I don't think the um, writer and artist were trying to make a political statement with that. I think they just had to wrap up the book kind of quickly, and this was an easy way to do it. So anyway, but that was that was my take on it. <laughs> I yeah. just read it. I'm like, mm, no, I don't, I don't like this. But. I wouldn't I wouldn't say that uh, the, this ending is as rushed as some of the other ones uh, have kind True. of felt. Very um, true. I mean, it it does move fairly quickly. Yes. Because within half the book, within like twelve pages, uh, we get Gene. We put in Emma Frost bra- part of Emma Frost's brain into Gene. Which Emma Frost is also walking around afterwards with a bandage yeah, wrapped no, around her head. Cool. I'm like, boy, that's that's way nineties right there. So yeah. I just slap a couple rounds of gauze on it and just go. Yeah, she's fine. She yeah, she's had sure. a portion of her brain pulled out. Oh yeah, it's just totally fine. No problem. Yeah. Like I could I could kind of buy Jean instantly coming coming out of it because uh, when she was lobotomized, the Phoenix Force and her powers weren't taken away from her, just yeah. the part of her brain that could access that. So exactly. I could kind of buy it. Once once the connections are remade, the Phoenix Force takes over, and that's just kind of almost omnipotent power. So sure. Right. Right. She can come in. She atomizes uh, Nemesis. Yes. Uh, and so, which is, this is kind of gross. All of his cells rain down on the people which right. which cure them of the legacy virus that they yeah. were all uh, exposed to and were going to die. Yes. And it yes. is also what uh, cures them of the mutant gene. Yeah. All very convenient yeah. wrapped up in a package of body parts raining from the sky when you get right down to it. So Here's all this blood and viscera. Mm, but it's your cure! Yay! <laughs> Gross. Yeah. It wasn't rushed in terms of the story jumping forward too fast, because we've definitely seen that. It was really more rushed in the fact that, here's our easy answer, let's just get to this, you know, that kind of thing. But, you know, I I would have actually, 
I kind of would have rather had it be a little more ambiguous ending, like some of them. Not as ambiguous as Years of Future Past, obviously. That one went way too far. I'm like, what? Yeah. There's a tiger, and I don't know what's going to happen. But um, <laughs> There's a metaphor here that we're just not getting. We're just missing out on it. I can usually pick up on some pretty good metaphors. But, um, yeah, so, and really like the art. Really like the art. Like the story for most of it. A lot of the dialogue was great, but I just, yeah, the ending fell a little flat to me. Yeah, um, but I kind of feel that uh, is pretty 90s through through to the very end. I don't remember many of the 90s books uh, developing that three-act structure very strongly. Mm-hmm. And usually something really random, like a, a, a deus ex machina coming in halfway yeah. to three-quarters of the way through and just solving everyone's problems. Yeah, that is true. That's very true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for, I mean, for all the same reasons uh, you mentioned, the, the art, the story is good enough. Um, I was kind of uh, bugged when Apocalypse died in the uh, the fourth issue before, because I kind of yeah. felt like, there's our bad guy, and then all of a sudden we have this new random guy. Seriously, it's the, he's his name is in the title of the series, and I he know. didn't make it through to the end. You're like, mm, maybe, I don't know. I just, I just love me some Apocalypse, and I love, I love a good throwdown with him, yeah. but he kind of goes out like a chump. He's, he's kind of yeah. the Boba Fett of the story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess that's he's whatever. he's he's a badass by reputation, but we never really get to see him uh, uh, show us. Were they were they going for the uh, irony? I mean, here it is. He developed something that was going to show who was the fittest on the planet, who was fit to rule along with him, and he wasn't actually fit enough to do it. So yeah, you know, I think that's yeah. exactly what they were going for. Nemesis okay. even even mentioned so, mm. um, and even Nemesis his plot or, or his purpose was kind of muddled. Well, we only had, like, what, uh, an issue and a couple pages to actually establish what that purpose was, so... Yeah. Um, but no, that's, I mean, still fun, especially if you hold that nostalgia for, yes. um, for old 90s books. And Age of Apocalypse is such an iconic story in yeah. X-Men history that yeah. uh, I, I think it's it's no, uh, no, no words against uh, those things that I'm trying to think of. <laughs> You're sick. It's okay. It's all right. You're probably on a lot of cold medicine right now. That makes it hard to do the words. Mmm, that Vix. <laughs> or NyQuil. I don't know. All I'm, those things. I'm taking them all. <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, I, I don't know how responsible you are when you get sick. Um, Not very. I'm just, uh, just scrounging my medicine cabinet for whatever uh, says cold medicine. I yes. think I've... I've taken maybe three different brands yeah, in these yeah. three days I've been sick. Because sometimes you get sick and you forget that you already have something in the cabinet, so you always do end up with this weird collection. I've got a Ziploc bag under the sink that's got like every different kind of cough drop known to man, because I forget that I've bought some, so now I have this big pile of leftovers. But yeah, no. Yeah. It's, I kind of think that if you do a cocktail of things, it probably works better. Yeah, that way your body can't get used to one specific brand of, uh, of medicine. Very true. That's science. Science. <laughs> Scientific right there. That's right. I'm a human experiment. Yeah, you know, you're a human Petri dish is what you are. That's true. why I'm over here. Yeah, you don't want to see this going on right here. <laughs> I am a mess. Uh, so on to the next book, uh, The Shattered Empire. Uh, well, it's Journey. Uh, let, let's, let's, let's put it right here. Journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Star Wars Shattered Empire. Yes. Uh, every time I've had to put it into something or look it up, it always has that really long name. Uh, every yeah. time I look, at, I look for it under Star Wars, it's up in the J's. This is the book that takes place immediately 
immediately after Return of the Jedi. Yeah, um, yeah. And kind of carries through to show us um, that the war didn't end there, right there on, on Endor. Nope, nope. Because, partly because people are stubborn and don't want to admit that it's over, but partly because the Emperor has actually had things sent out that would go out, excuse me, that would go out after his death yeah. that would tell people, um, hey, no, I'm still here and you still need to keep fighting. So, you know, as long as they've got that emperor worship going on, they'll never stop. These creepy red guys with, like, the emperor's projected face giving messages oh, yeah. to, to officers. Yeah. And even even inside the, imp- the empire, uh, they're saying it's illegal and punishable to spread... Uh, rebellion propaganda that yeah. the Empire is dead, or the Emperor and is the, dead. And there's so much fear going on. I mean, that's been their whole mission is to spread fear. We shouldn't be surprised they've been spreading it among their own ranks. That's how everybody, I mean, that's how Darth Vader was yeah. sort of as respected as he was, because if he didn't like what you were saying, he'd kill you. So, yeah, they're, they're not, um, nobody's stopping. Nobody has any plans of stopping. So I wonder, I mean, I know in Timothy Zahn's world, by the time we get to five years after the rebellion, the emperor, the empire was still kind of going, but it was definitely limping along. This seems to be saying that it's not going to limp all that much. They still seem to be pretty solid. Yeah. After seeing um, the last um, trailer for Star Wars oh, yeah. last oh, week, yeah. which I don't think we talked about last podcast, did we? Nope, we didn't. And uh, it was it was all the things. That's okay. There, there was some some news. Um, yeah. I'm kind of getting the impression that uh, I'm betting that the the Empire was definitely beaten and suffered a big loss, but never quite fell apart like it kind of does in the Expanded Universe books. They seem way stronger than than I would have assumed they would be 30 years after. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder, did they stay that strong the whole time, or is it one of those, you know, a new force to be reckoned with has arisen in the Empire and is grabbing forces together? I mean... Did any of our main characters in all of these 30 years since the end of the Battle of Endor, did any of them get a moment's peace at all, ever? Did they? I really hope that they did. I know. Come know. on. They earned it. <laughs> Seriously. Blowing up Death Stars. Them. I know. And then I keep hearing things about Han and Leia, and I'm like, oh, please don't let them have gotten divorced or something. That would suck. I know. I know. Come yeah. on. <laughs> I know. But we did see him give her a hug in the trailer, so that was cool. So that was we at nice. least know that they're still they're still friends. That so was that's, nice. good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. We yeah. haven't we we think we've seen Luke, but we haven't think, seen his face. No, no, and he he didn't show up in the the great poster that they released. A wow. lot of people pointed out that they were like, uh, "Where's Master Skywalker? He's not in this poster." Yep, a lot of rumors going around about that. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. I like all the rumors. Um, now I haven't got a chance to finish uh, Shadowed Empire, um, but you have read read the fourth. Uh, issue. Yes. Uh, Which, I don't know, is is this supposed to carry on for some time? or is uh, it No, this was a 4-4. Four, four. Oh, okay. Alright, alright. Well, so yeah. They, and they, I thought they um, they wrapped up... Uh, they, they wrapped it up a little bit, I suppose, but I'm actually surprised that it's only going 4. It felt like the end to an arc, mm-hmm. but not necessarily the end to a series. But, you know, it's... Uh, this is... Who's doing the artwork in this one? Uh, Chichetto. Uh, yeah, right? Chichetto. Chichetto's artwork is so beautiful. And was switched out with another couple artists halfway through the second one for a little while that I didn't care for quite as much. And you can really tell the difference in between the two. But Chichetto's art is just 
glorious. It's really yeah. beautiful. Uh, in this book, uh, just the fourth one alone, it is Chichetto, but it's also um, Angel uh, Unzet. Un- I'm sorry. <laughs> All these horrible guys with these incomprehensible Ooh. names. It's because there's a lot of really great artists coming out of like Brazil and Europe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Angel Unzueta and uh, Emilio uh, Laiso or Laiso. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, I mean the three artists in in this book uh, alone. Oh wait, no, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. That's number two. I picked up number yeah, two. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it might have just been Shadow in the fourth one. I okay. don't have the book in front of me right now, but um, yeah, I oh, thought yeah, it was right. a good. It, it comes to a good stopping point, but I felt like there was still more that they could have done. So I'm sure there's more know. that they plan to do. Well, it's just with a name that's so big and important, like Shattered Empire, I really thought that they would go on a little more than they actually did. But, I mean, it's fine. It's totally fine. But I'm like, oh, really? Just four? Okay. That's was fine. the Empire not quite as shattered as, uh, as you assumed it should be? Yeah, it, not at all. Not at all. I mean, they even say something at one point. They're like, sorry... You know, this isn't what you want to hear, Rebel Alliance people who are not really rebels anymore since we're kind of the people in control, but it doesn't look like the Empire's ever going to give up. So that was kind of what they said at one point. I'm like, oh, okay. I guess that's so... Um, there goes a bus in my area. So, um, Yeah, so not really a wrap-up. Mm. Uh, well, then, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be more. This is for what was supposed to be kind of a... Um, I feel people expect this book to be a real taste of what's to come for episode seven. Uh-huh. Um, from at least what I've gotten to read so far, it feels more like just um, uh, like an appetizer, like and even right. that a small appetizer. Yeah, because I think by the time the fourth book wraps up, I don't think even six months have happened since the Battle of Endor. Yeah, I mean it might even be like. It might even be like a couple months. So it's if if this was supposed to be a bridge in between episode six and episode seven, it really just only got you just like a couple footsteps over the ravine, and that's it. So yeah. we haven't quite gotten there yet. Um, now I read something in issue two that really perked me up. Uh, so I'm wondering if you can answer this. Uh, so um, this main character we're following through the story. Uh, we met her husband, which we were really wondering if he was going to make it. I'm kind of curious if he made it. But in the second issue, they also mention uh, a son named Poe. Yes. Um, oh. Poe right. is the name of a character. He's uh, the Oscar Isaacs character. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah. I think that's because I've been I've been hearing Oscar Isaacs, Oscar Isaacs, yeah. and I haven't been paying attention because Ray, her name's been all over the place, but Poe I haven't heard as much. Yeah, well, oh. that's because it, it looks like Ray's going to be the main kind of antagonist, perhaps, right. uh, of the film. Um, well, that's interesting because they did something with a pair of trees in the fourth issue. Uh-huh. And so I'll be curious to see if there's a certain special tree that he mentions in the movie growing up next to. So that'll. Huh. Well, did, right, that puts a different spin on things. Did they happen right. to mention. Um, like uh, her husband Kess's last name, because I, I can't remember her name right now. But as I was reading, they did say Officer whatever name. And it, it's not um, Poe's last name is uh, like Dameron or something. Yeah, I I can't remember. I don't have the book in front of me yeah. because Skype. Yeah. Um, probably they probably did, and it was the, one of those things where what you were supposed to do was see the name, and go, oh my god, I know what they're doing, and I just completely over my head, completely gone. Now so. I'm I'm kind of curious because although it. 
30 years is kind of a, a stretch, and who knows if, if the Poe character is supposed to be that old, if it's the same character. But it would be kind of fun that we see just a little here uh, yeah. of what we'll, we'll get later, or at least a connection, a family yeah. lineage. I hadn't, I hadn't assumed the Poe that we see in the trailers and everything was quite 30. I guess yeah. that he was in his 20s, but... You know, they play fast and loose with ages in movies a lot of the time. Who knows? That's so, true. And, yeah. uh, I mean, assuming this this kid, with both of his parents in the war, I would assume this kid is at least of, like, a between 8 and 12 at the youngest. Like, he's not he's not a, a toddler, right? You know, I don't... I don't think we got to see him even in the ending of the fourth book. So, I yeah. don't... So, he might be just a little, little kid. I don't know. But I'm, I'm assuming 30 years plus whatever whatever this kid's age is yeah, would be, exactly. it'd have to be his age in Force Awakens. Yeah, though, you know, we don't really know how they measure time in this, you know, far, far away, long time ago and everything. I mean, Yoda's 900 years old, and maybe that's only like 400 years old in Earth years. Yeah. So, you know, he could be 30 years old in our time, but in his time, he's really only like 20 Five, you know, tops. So, I don't know. That's that's how I'm going to go ahead and explain at this point. If that ends up being the same character, sure. uh, it'd be interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I mean, I've definitely enjoyed what I've read, uh, but I was kind of hoping for a little more of a taste of Force Awakens than uh, the Return of the Jedi uh, right. timeline. Right. It's really more of just like an epilogue to. Return of the Jedi. Yeah. It's, it works out well for that. So, yeah. I did not get a chance to read the third book, though. I think I should probably be honest and say that. So for all I know, they have probably put all of this information in the third book. And I'm like, no, I have no idea what was going on. So. Possibly. But uh, every so often, um, if, uh, if you guys are putting in the codes in the back of the Marvel books, once in a while you run into a code that just refuses to work. Right. Uh, right. And that was uh, Shattered Empire number three for us. Yeah, that's all right. I'll read it later, and then I'll probably have to get on the podcast and be like, I apologize, they explained all of that in issue three, and I totally missed it. Redaction, corrections. There you are. are. Uh, So uh, on to the Astonishing Ant-Man number one. Uh, Just giving it the old college try again with another Ant-Man book. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, the consensus is we're just never really going to be that into Ant-Man. There's nothing wrong with him, you know, but it's just the kind of, like, hapless, you know? I don't tend to like the books about the hapless characters, you know, that try to do the best, but because of circumstances, things just never seem to go their way. And that's definitely where they're playing with Ant-Man at this point. I mean, he has a great opportunity to get some work for his business and show the boss how cool he is and who comes up to kind of sort of supervise everything but his ex-wife's husband who hates his guts. And I'm like, yeah. And then somebody else is paying to have an assassin come and visit him who just happens to come and visit him right when he's trying to do this job demonstration. So it's like, it's a comedy of errors that goes on. And the writing's clever. It's quirky. The dialogue's great. It's very funny. The art was okay. You know, pretty pretty standard stuff, I thought. Not bad at all, but... um, so it was. I, there wasn't anything I disliked about it, but it just didn't grab me. No, uh, but you're right. Like it's, it's, Ant Man is kind of like every Ben Stiller character for like the last ten years, where just he means well, but every possible wrong thing that could happen happens to him. 
Yep, yep. And everybody always thinks the worst of him. Like he's decided that he was responsible for his daughter being in danger and having to get a heart transplant for crying out loud. Yeah. That he's decided that he can't be around her because it's going to put her in danger. But of course, he doesn't tell her that. He just avoids her and now she kind of is mad and hates him and says horrible things about him that he can totally hear because he's shrunk down to ant size and can eavesdrop on them whenever they like. And I'm like, well, that's not creepy at all. But yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing is that everything goes wrong for them and nobody will ever give him the benefit of the doubt. Everybody always thinks he's just a loser. So. Yeah, um... And then it, the, the cast of characters around him, too, is not, uh, I feel, super strong. Like, he has uh, the the landlady, Miss Morgenstern, uh, who is kind of like just so that every landlady character who's just a real kind of hard ass. Yeah. Definitely mind the fact that she actually runs a retirement home for um, uh, old superheroes. Yeah, yeah, old superheroes. Which I thought was, like, I thought that was kind of cool. I kind of want to read that book. Yeah, exactly. Seriously. They all look like they were all getting together at a pool party, but they were all still wearing their costumes. I'm like, well, that's kind of fun. I imagine they'd want to do that, you know, relive the glory days, <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. So it was fun. Was, we only got to see that for just a second, though. But, you know, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, like you're saying, there's nothing necessarily wrong with him. Nick Spencer's doing a, a fun job with the dialogue and this... Oh, all right, let me ask you, because I kind of found it a little hacky or hokey um this uh this 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 guy comes in with this app uh to send villains against whatever oh, yes. hero kind right. of like this uh like it's a, like like, like every type of conven yes every type of convenience app that you can think of you know find an assassin you know it's basically find a henchman it's even got a little like skull over the name and everything. It's totally not plausible, but it does play into the general, like, kind of goofiness sitcom quality that is an Ant-Man book, which is probably the other reason why I don't like it very much, because I don't really like sitcoms all that much. So, But, um, yeah, it's an app that'll send an assassin to defeat the superhero of your choice. Yeah, and then uh, this guy calls off the assassin because he's trying to sell it to this other guy who I'd never heard of, yeah. uh, and just because he's trying to make a sale that this other guy is not really going for. It's like, oh, well, this is the free trial. You don't get, you know, your arch enemy killed on yeah, a free yeah. trial. And yeah. so Whirlwind over here is just like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> I like how he was just like, because the cancellation order comes through, and here's Whirlwind about ready to pound the crap at him, and he's got his phone. He's like, what? Cancel? But I was just, ooh, I got three more likes. You know? <laughs> it yeah. was just, that was... It's all very meta, of course, but it, I mean, it was fun. It was fine, but totally not plausible, you know. But it, you know what's funny, though? Hmm. It's really Adam Warren, that type of thing, because that would absolutely happen in the Empowered Universe. He would totally have an app that would find you a henchman to destroy a superhero, and they would totally cancel at the last minute, and the villain would be mad about it up until he saw, ooh, I got more favorites on my account. Yay! Yeah. So. But, like, from, from what I've experienced, like, that, that world is built for stuff like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. From the very get. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ant Man still exists in the normal uh, Marvel universe, yeah. which you know kind of has a more more of a footing in reality. But then again, Squirrel Girl and Howard the Duck live in that same Marvel continuity, and they play True. fast and loose with what is and isn't plausible. So I think they're. Uh, I don't know. I don't. But I think I don't they commit those books either. So you know. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think they commit to it more. 
as, True. as Ant-Man is trying to uh, have its uh, have its cake and eat it too. Yeah, you get you make schizophrenic choices like that, and it just confuses the reader. So I no. don't know. Um, I would be really interested to know uh, anyone who is really enjoying Ant-Man if they could describe what it is that is really drawing them to this book. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like we're saying, there's nothing bad about it, but no. it's not grabbing us. So I'm just I'm curious: is it is it us or is it Ant Man? Well, I would say it's probably us. You know, I think it's just probably not our cup of tea because yeah. there, like you know, if I could point to something that was wrong about it, I would. But there isn't. You know, I think it's perfectly fine. It's just not a book that uh, really grabs me. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. We got uh, just a couple more minutes. Um, I would want to talk uh, just briefly about the Back to the Future book, since we just oh, yes. had uh, uh, October 21st, 2015, the day that Marty McFly goes into the future. Yeah. Um, I picked uh, I picked up the special Villainous Layer variant, available only at the Villainous Layer, but nice. also John Barber was there signing. Which I thought it was very awesome that you got John Barber to sign your book, and what you were wearing was the Transformers Back to the Future mashup. And I'm just like, there is just so much awesome congruence of things happening there. So that was very nice. I, I rushed home from work uh, where I have to wear a uh, uh, button-up and a tie. Yes. Changed because I also wanted to try and get an interview with him real quick. And I'm like, oh, uh, i gotta wear, I got to wear the Back <laughs> to the Future Marty McPrime shirt. Yeah, there you go. Um, which... I forget. Did you give that to me as a gift? I think that was one. I don't know. I've gotten you a few t-shirts as presents because they're kind of fun and everything. I think I did, but I don't remember. It's it's very I, I possible. Yes, um, yes. But since John Barber's also writing uh, Transformers, it just seemed like a perfect shirt. It so really was. I found it. Uh, I had to put the, the lint roller all over it. My cat <laughs> looked like my cat had been sleeping in it for weeks. And I rushed down. I got the very last signature... Uh, he oh, nice. had, yeah, he had to rush uh, out to the um, to the uh, space museum there in Balboa Park, where they were doing another uh, Back to the Future event. Oh wow! I'm yeah. sure he was running all over the place that whole day. Then that's cool. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't get an interview, but John Barber, as you know, uh, Elizabeth, you've interviewed him. Yes. Uh, super cool guy, and he was definitely open uh, if if we wanted to sit and talk to him uh, another time. He's here uh, in the general area. Cool. And you know what? All of the people at IDW are cool. And I just, I wanted to say, because we've got uh, Crane Cons coming up Mm -hmm. uh, mid-November, and that's supporting Rady Children's Hospital. And I sent a note to the IDW folks, because we do their previews and their reviews and stuff like that. And I said, hey, you know, you sent us some free comics last year. Would you guys want to send us some stuff that we could give out at our booth, because it gets people to come by and we get to tell people and maybe... And um, and they said, yeah, sure, absolutely. And that night, I got an email from them saying, hey, the box went out in the mail. It'll be at your doorstep tomorrow. Oh, and I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. I get it. I swear to God, I had trouble lifting up the box. <laughs> that's what I am not kidding. It is huge. Yeah. It is packed with stuff. And I, I wrote back to them. I'm like, oh my God, you guys are awesome. And they said, you know what? Rady Children's Hospital does a lot of good stuff. So they really wanted to support this. So That's shout super out to cool. IDW. Come to CraneCon. We will have so many free books. I know we're not going to end up giving them all away because we have that many. Whatever's left, we're giving that to Rady Children's Hospital for the kids who are there. So Absolutely. We'll just, we want to do as much good as possible with this. But man, shout out to IDW. They're all cool people. Right. Really Those guys <laughs> never met a bad, a bad IDW no, uh, employee. No. I went on the the tour uh, of the oh, office nice. there. 
Um, nice. I've met uh, the guy who runs the gaming division. They're Sweet. all cool. They're all cool nice. people. Nice. Um, but um, the uh, the Back to the Future book, there's two stories in it. First story explains how Doc and Marty ever met. Oh, no way. You're right. We never really got to never, see that. Yeah. That's true. I like yeah. this, uh, I don't know, 40 to maybe 50-year-old uh, scientist meets this 17-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. It yeah. seems so so peculiar, but uh, no, the, the story that uh, John Barber wrote with Bob Gale uh, explains it, and for for that universe where it's all kind of whimsical, it all plays out, uh, makes total sense, and it's it's really uh, it's really fun to kind of nice get nice. a little of that. So yeah, I mean that's that's uh, I think if anyone who was really excited for Back to the Future Day probably already got one, but. Uh, if you're on the fence about it, it's it's fun. It's fun. It's nice. worth it. Very nice. And check out the Instagram because Anthony got a picture of him with John Barber. And I like the fact that he's got you know, him and John Barber. They look great. And you've got the cover with like the Back to the Future art on it. And you can just barely see the Marty McPrime art on your T-shirt right there. And I'm like, you couldn't have framed that better. Right. You've been going for that intentionally. So nice. Very nice. It was, it was super fun. Um, Elizabeth, do you have any books you want to mention? No, just the fact that I am trying to get through Grant Morrison's Multiplicities coming out tomorrow as of day of recording. I can't get through this book. It's 400 pages, so it's like nine different issues. Uh, it's, I'm so sorry, it's just a mess. It's just, it is so complicated and so wordy, and I don't understand anything that's going on. I get the basic premise that, like, one world's, Fact is another world's comic book, and that's like the daisy chain that goes along. That people are oh. reading a comic book from the world that comes before, which is a great idea in theory. In practice, though, I mean, there's one book in there where you know how you introduce a character, you see the character, and you see underneath a little caption box that says their name and what their power set is and all that kind of yeah. stuff. In one issue, they introduced 23 characters <laughs> in one issue. I'm come like, on. come And I didn't like any of them. They were all, like, supposed to be kids of our, like, superhero people. And they're in a world that doesn't need them very much, so they're a little bored and everything. They're all whiny. They're all petulant. The women are terrible. I mean, you've got, like, Alexis Luther, who is Lex Luther's daughter. Yeah. She's, like, the smartest woman on the planet. She is seriously whining about not getting to go to a party because Superman and Batman are fighting with each other. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Why are, Why is this happening? You know, it was, I, I can't recommend it. I'm, I'm going to finish it. I am. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to review it because I'm just going to crap all over it if I do. But I always thought Grant Morrison was supposed to be some kind of genius or something. Uh, and it's, it's, it's difficult. Uh, I've been saying for a long time I feel Morrison, although uh, brilliant conceptually and in his stories, is just so difficult to read through. So wordy. Um, that I feel, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm not smart enough for it. Uh, Elizabeth, you're, you're a learned woman. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> that you, you understand words much larger than anything I can pronounce, but it just... I like words. I like words, but there's, it, it is really just too complex. And it's just, the idea was, is that every book in this series would potentially be a launching off point for another series, but that just means that every single book is piled with exposition trying to explain what's going on and I'm like I don't care I don't care about any of it some of it's intentionally pulpy I think some of it's unintentionally pulpy it's it's so it almost sums up everything that I dislike about DC books you know I just don't get it I don't care Ugh. so yeah. unfortunately 
Honestly, if somebody has read Grant Morrison's Multiplicity and really liked it, that's another one. Write in, please. Please tell us why you like it. Because did you ever read any of it, Anthony? No, not the Multiplicity. I essentially at this point, if I see Morrison's name, it really needs something big to draw me in because I yeah. I know it is going to be a slog to read. Um, well, I'm, I'm only halfway through. I'm hoping something in there really speaks yeah. to me. But I would I would really like to hear from people who were a fan of this series because it started last year and just finished up in April, so this is the collected edition. I want to find the people who really liked it, and I, I would love for you to tell me why you liked it, because I'd like to feed off your enthusiasm, if I could, please. Nah, um, I have read... Uh, oh, shit, no, that's Alan Moore. I was trying to th- Alan Moore is another wordy one, but I like Moore better than Grant Morrison yeah. at this point. So yeah. I was trying to think because I felt there was a Morrison story that I've read that I liked, uh, and I thought it was the Swamp Thing, but no, that was Alan Moore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know, two crazy. Um, <laughs> one's English, the other one's Scottish, and uh, Morrison. Like I've listened to him on podcast. I would not be surprised if uh, he turned out to be some kind of wizard. You know, I think I heard his episode on The Nerdist. I think that's the one that I heard. Yeah. And it's very entertaining to listen to. I know the guy's smart. I know he's brilliant. I know he's made a career in writing comic books. So he's obviously very, very good. But man, I just... Uh, even even just reading the description... Go onto Wikipedia and read the <laughs> description of what it's about. And you'll just be like sitting here going, What? The who? And the where now? So, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's going to wrap it up uh, this week, everybody. If uh, there are any books that you felt we missed, uh, for the good or for the bad, let us know. You can uh, write a short little review, and we'll read it on the next podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, um, a Pinterest. Uh, uh, is that all of Google that? Plus. DeviantArt? DeviantArt. Uh, Draw us a picture of yeah. uh, how you feel about things. Yes. Or uh, write a poem. Yes. Uh, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, and Podbay. If you have not subscribed already, uh, do that, and you'll never miss uh, another episode for uh, the rest of our lives. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We'll be doing this for the rest of our lives, right? Until of course we we're will. in the grave, <laughs> which might not be long for me. I was about to say, you go get some rest and yeah. have some more cold medicine there. You're getting a little dark. I'm going to get so loopy on that NyQuil. <laughs> have at it. Yeah. Go do that thing. Um... Things. Oh, uh, you can email us. We have an email, guys. Uh, comicissues at gmail.com. Um, we've got stuff going on. Uh, of course, we mentioned um, CraneCon coming up November yes. 15th. Uh, yes. We've got um, uh, Extra Life. Uh, we're joining with Pixelated Geek, of course, the mother site, to do 24 hours of gaming, also in support of Radies Children's Hospital. We'll be raising money for that. Uh, so those plans will be coming up soon because that's only about two weeks away. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, hey, Halloween's this weekend, so everybody have a really great Halloween, and send us your uh, your pictures. I already ran into one uh, uh, couple who was uh, hanging out at a grocery store, so I'm oh, like, ooh, the cosplay pictures have started already, yay! Awesome, yeah. Uh, yep. Send us your Halloween photos. Uh, that'll be fun. Um, we'll put them into a big gallery on, uh, like, Facebook, and we'll all share and revel in each other's geekery. Yeah! Uh, of course, BigSodyGeek.com, uh, the mother site, uh, full of other podcasts, Binary System Podcasts, um, two geeks, uh, two geeks in a podcast, uh, <laughs> Pixel Clicks podcast, uh, and movie issues. I'm running out of steam, Elizabeth. I know you are. It's all right. We're at the end of the uh, episode. It'll be fine. You can make it a couple more seconds. <laughs> uh, comic issues is where you find all of us. That's comic-issues.com. Yay. Uh, that's good enough, guys. Uh, if I miss anything, <laughs> listen to the next episode or the one before. 
Yeah, there you go. Well, you, you know how the internet works. It's fine. You know us. Uh, search the Google. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so until next week, I'm Anthony Silva. Elizabeth Wallace. And good geeking, everybody. Bye.